Coming up right now, the newest episode from Carr, Gwyn, and Ode on Three Pagans and a Cat. So this is Three Pagans and a Cat. I'm Carr. You may call me Ode. Mary Mead, my name is Gwyn. And our special guest today is... I'm there we go. It's a pleasure to have you here. Mm-hmm. We're very glad that you're taking some time with us. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name is Amabaran. I'm originally from Australia. My accent isn't classically Australian, if those people are paying close attention. I was educated by British nuns, so I learned Her Majesty's English at the hands of what you would call yardstick. Okay. <laughs> yeah. okay. So my accent is a little unusual. I'm a practitioner of a pre-Gardinarian Celtic tradition called the Path of Light. I found my way to that tradition by a very circuitous route. I started in Christian mysticism, which quickly led to Kabbalah, followed by ceremonial magic, Wiccan-inspired neo-paganism, then Wicca, and eventually Path of Light. How did you move between those traditions? Mm-hmm. Did mm-hmm. you just find yourself dissatisfied with each one in the row until you got to the right one? or I was an overachiever. <laughs> <laughs> I was picked out by the pastor at school for come and join our Christian fellowship and study Christian mysticism and very much being prepared for spiritual warfare. As well. oh, okay. From that from that very Christian Judeo Christian mindset of we invoke Jesus and we Our baptize God. people uh-huh. yeah. as they walk down the street, you you look like a sinner, we'll baptize you. <laughs> but drive by baptisms. <laughs> <laughs> but as I continued to study it, there was very large chunks missing and the Reverend wasn't a, wasn't a strong practitioner himself, so he just kept giving me more books and ultimately ones that I probably shouldn't have been reading at that point in time, <laughs> which led me to, oh, so this is all based off this Kabbalah stuff. Well, I'd better go and learn that then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, this stuff is increasingly complex. Oh, no, here's some translations. It's called Ceremonial Magic. Let's do this then. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I was very leery of we can inspire me about him coming from a Christian background. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. And Ultimately, that literary kind of gave way to intellectual curiosity, which gave way to, oh, this seems almost right. Almost. Almost. <laughs> and then Path of Light was like, ah, that's where I was supposed to be. Found, found the right place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, can you describe a little bit more about Path of Light? Because I've never heard of it before, so I, I don't really know the reference. So we are a lineage tradition. I can trace my lineage back. About, I've met four generations back beyond me, mm-hmm. so my teacher's teacher's teacher. Okay. I know another five names after that that I can connect to legal identities of people who are, okay, right name, right geographic region, right interconnectedness in terms of social circles and so on. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, they just become names. It's like, man, it's almost like, you know... King Arthur. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like 17th century English villagers didn't keep good records or something. Yeah. No, like, sure. okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's almost like no one was literate. Weird. <laughs> so, you know, we're an oral tradition. We don't write things down. Mm-hmm. We don't do books. We're a mystery tradition, which is to say so much of what we do has to be experienced. Mm-hmm. It's Some of that is because we keep our secrets and so on and haven't changed in a very long time. Mm-hmm. And some of it's just because one of the ways I explain mystery tradition for folks who might not be familiar with the term who might be listening, mm-hmm. it's like an orgasm. Okay. You could sit here and you could explain it. You could explain the technicalities of it. You could explain what happens chemically. But you read some poetry. <laughs> <laughs> but none of those things are going to give you that experience. Right. If you've actually experienced it. Then it's a revelation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, oh, that's what that is. <laughs> and suddenly and, this poem makes sense. <laughs> and 
so many of the, what we call the mysteries are things like that. You get the tools, you get the understanding to do it, and then it's like, okay, shove, full experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. So since this is a tradition that is lineage-based, can anyone become part of the Path of Light? Or is it, what's the initiation process? Strictly, you have to be invited. We don't recruit. Mm-hmm. That's that's strictly forbidden. But if people come to us, we don't just accept anybody who wanders up. Right. We go through a fairly fairly drawn out process. Uh, you know, someone expresses interest. I say, "Are you sure?" Mm-hmm. Read the website. Know what we're about, mm-hmm. and. Then I'll meet them for the first time. Any elder will meet them for the first time, sit down and have a chat with them. Mm-hmm. You know, why are you interested? Mm-hmm. You know, do you understand what it is that you're getting into? Then we have them take usually two weeks to go and think about it, think up more questions, think over what we've talked about, come back and then meet with a couple of other members of the company as well. Because I can tell you what learning under my teacher was like. I can't tell you what learning under me is like. I've never taught myself. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, not literally. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and I've been doing this for, I've been path for 15 years. Mm-hmm. It's easy to forget things in 15 years. It's easy to forget how quite frustrating these can be to start out. Right. So speak to some of the people who've only just started doing it. Mm-hmm. And again, take two weeks, go away, come back. Then we ask that people meet the whole coven, usually in a wider setting, something like convocation or pagan fest or metaphysics discussion night, that the wandering hour, Jim Two Snakes hosts, so that you can see all of us, but also see how we expect people to behave in the community, how we interact with the wider community. Ask people about us. Even if you don't know Path of Light, ask Two Snakes. Is this guy someone I should talk to or not? Mm-hmm. Or does he go politely cough, maybe? Um, <laughs> or maybe you can talk to this other person. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, then, again, go away. If you're still interested after all that and we haven't managed to scare you off, we invite someone to come to a Sabbath ritual mm-hmm. and be in sacred space with us. Because for some people... It sounds perfect right up until they get to stage bed. Like, no, don't know why, but it just doesn't jive with me. Mm-hmm. And for some people, like, I'd be interested, but it seems like a lot. They get in the same place and go, yes. Mm-hmm. And again, I send them away, wait another two weeks. No one should make spontaneous decisions to try right. and mm-hmm. recover. Then when they do what we call the questioner cycle, which is a 12-month outer court, if you like, of basic history, understanding the terms, getting people up to a certain speed, at any point in time, if the elders feel like, no, you're not going to fit well with this, this is not what you should be doing, but we have a good sense of who, who you should be working with. You know what? I keep seeing Quaros for its own, I'm going to send you to, to two snacks. Mm-hmm. I keep seeing, you know, you say you're being really drawn to the northern tradition, I'm sending you to Raven or to Saren. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we're not quite for you. And that gives them a feel for what's expected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then... There's the seeker cycle, which is, we would call it the child portion of being in the tradition. You can't speak to the tradition. You also can't do magic on your own. You're a child, your elder, your teacher is responsible for everything you do. If one of my seekers comes in here and pulls apart your microphone for whatever reason, you bring it to me and I'm the one who has to fix that. Mm-hmm. The same if they do something magically or spiritually, if they run up a spiritual debt to the Fae, I'm the one who pays that until they take the first degree. Once you've taken the seeker's oath, you're committed to go through to at least the first degree. Mm-hmm. So, and that's that's a lot for a lot of people. That's a big commitment. Mm-hmm. Because it takes as long as it takes. Right, right, right. exactly. One, exactly. Of my, one of my first degrees at the moment of my crafters was a seeker for nine years. Wow. Before they took the first degree. So it takes as long as it takes. And we're, mm-hmm. we are a tradition of service. Mm-hmm. We are here to leave the world a better place than we found it. And that, that is taxing. It's not mm-hmm. for everybody. Right. right. Yeah. Hence the really involved process to even mm-hmm. to even get into the outer court. Right. Yeah. We are all spiritual specialists. Mm-hmm. There is no 
play practice for Path of Life. Mm-hmm. So you end up having to do a lot of really difficult, frustrating things, mm-hmm. which means learning a lot of difficult tools. Mm-hmm. I think that's really good, though, because, I mean, I am a solitary, so I created my own path. Right. Um, I've always been a solitary. But you, um, had, you had a mentor. I did. I did have a mentor for a couple of years. But I think that, especially if someone is seeking a coven, which I know that it can be hard for people to find a coven. That is a commitment. Or it should be. Or it should be. Sometimes people go into it thinking, oh, this is going to be easy. I think there's, a, I think there's a tendency. It's like a laissez-faire attitude. I think there's a tendency something. sometimes for people to join covens or kindreds or groves or whatever as a social club. Yeah, yeah. And that is clearly not what the Path of Light is doing. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a lot of people out there who go, uh, well, let's just get 13 of us together and we'll call ourselves a coven and this is what yeah, we do. Yeah. And, and what we do is we get together once a month and... Well, well whatever. Yeah, play bingo. Uh-huh, I, you yeah. know, do divinations, whatever, but... Do bingo divinations. <laughs> right. right. So, you know, it's interesting to see something that's very... Structured. Structured. Yeah, which I think is really good. I think people need structure. Well, and like, and, and very seriously minded. Yeah, yes. so you have a very like I like what you what you said about how it's a service tradition. Right, you have a job, mm-hmm. you do the work. Yes. If you're not going to do the work, don't take the job. Exactly, and like for instance, you brought up the fact that I had a you know I had a mentor mm-hmm. for several years, and that was it was an oath that I had to take between my mentor and I. There were certain things that I couldn't tell other people that she oath taught me there were oath bound secrets and I think that assisted me even though you know I have honestly never desired to be part of a coven I'm, I'm very happy in solitary practice I do like to go to open rituals because I like to participate for the pagan community I do feel like having that one-on-one instruction for even just, just that short period of time it gave me that understanding of devotion and, and gravitas to the path, but if that makes sense. It does make sense. It's, yeah. it's one of the things that I've talked about in some of the classes before, is that what the modern pagan movement has perhaps forgotten from time to time is that we don't all need to be spiritual specialists. Mm-hmm. There is a place for the layperson. If we look at Pastor Swanee, in fact, mm-hmm. it was about uh, how these, these faiths came out of a tribal society. Mm-hmm. You know what happened? No spoilers over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Do you know what happened to the tribes where everyone stopped and prayed to the gods and everyone was a spiritual specialist? They all died because nobody was out harvesting the fields, mm-hmm. nobody was out hunting, there was nobody doing blacksmith work, there was no one doing any of the myriad other things that you need to do. You know, the gods kicked warriors of impending doom. We should do more divination about that. Mm-hmm. Right. Right, right. And I do think, and I, we've heard other speakers talk, too, of the fact that really the, the pagan community, which is whatever, you know, who, however you identify yourself, we really are meant to be healers for the community, for the world, not just our own community, but for the larger community as well. And I, I do take that as a as an oath. Of, I don't of think sorts. that's true of every witch. Maybe not every necessarily, witch, because no. what he's saying here yeah. is there, there's a place for lay people. True. Yes. I, it's I, I not in the path of life. But I, I, but I guess <laughs> I, feel, I feel like even though I am a lay person, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not like constantly doing stuff like you would do in your in your tradition, but I feel like I am contributing mm-hmm. to a certain degree. Does that make sense? It does. You know, when I say lay people, I, people should do what they're good at and do what they 
everyone should leave the world a little better than the way they found right. it. Mm-hmm. It's right. kind of our view of things. Our job is very specialised and often a support role for people who are doing a lot of that work. Right. Because we end up with very specialised niche skill sets. Mm-hmm. Here's a really good example. I cannot change the oil in my own car. My okay, father, neither can I. My father, somewhere on the far side of the world, is screaming when he hears this. But I can't. I have someone who is a good friend who is an expert mechanic. Mm-hmm. How do I deal with my car problems? I say, hey, what do I do? He says, do this. I'm like, okay. Someone says, do you why? It's told me to. Yeah. <laughs> right. What my job to know? By the same token, when he runs into problems that are of a spiritual nature mm-hmm. or something that falls in my wheelhouse, like patient advocacy or legal type things I was like yeah ask my brother mm-hmm. why are you doing this because my brother told me to tell me so. <laughs> and he knows more about it than I do yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Off- offloading expertise no one can be or should be an expert in everything exactly yeah I don't, know. I don't think I'm an expert in anything but that's okay <laughs> that's just me your particular coven, is it called Path of Light or the... Renewal Coven. Renewal, renewal coven. coven. So that's what I thought. So you have the Renewal Coven, which is part of the Path, Path of, of Light, of Light. Life. Tradition. tradition. And I know that you all do, usually, here at Convocation, mm-hmm. you all have an area set up where you can get some tea or some cookies or some water, and that kind of fell apart this year, not due to you all, but due to the hotel. That's right. Really? Being a pain in the butt. How do you know? I yeah. Know that. The, for whatever reason, the hotel was not happy with us giving out free food in the lobby. I'm not entirely sure what Why? the reasoning was. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you all did it last year. Yeah. And the year before. And it's mm-hmm. No different to what they're doing in hospitality. Yeah. Right. I, I'm just chatting with some of the con staff. We're going to see if we can make it official next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, hospitality is very important to our tradition. That little area actually came about because we found a need. Well, we never came there intentionally to do it to start with. Uh, it would been three years ago now. A young lady was wandering past and kind of fell down, and we were the nearest people. Like, oh, what, what's wrong? We mm-hmm. sit up, and I'm feeling really strange. Okay, talk us through your day. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I've done this ritual, and then I ran and had to go to this ritual. That amount of time, I went to this ritual. It's no grounding. No eating. Have you grounded? Have you cleansed? No, no, I, I really, I don't really know how to do those things yet. Oh, boy. Okay. When did you eat? I had breakfast. It's five o'clock in the afternoon, dear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, water. Let's have some electrolytes, some sugar, some protein, and we'll help you with some grounding and some cleansing. And, you know, in a way, we realized that we sort of looked around and like, oh, you know, she's looked the only one who has this. So we gathered up some food and set ourselves up there with, with the tea and with the water and all of that. And last year we came here intentionally to do that. And the same this year, we go and we buy in bulk bottles of water and tea and cookies and pastries and so on and chocolates and yeah. trail mix and just set up there. And we put up a small energetic safe space for people who just need, you know, I've just done this big ritual and I can't go and talk to the ritual presenters because they're exhausted because they just did this big ritual. Right. This was hugely changing for me and I need to talk to somebody. Right. 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 Sit down, talk. We'll help you process through that. Yeah, that's great. That's a really, that yeah, that's a really valuable service, service and it's valuable. really unfortunate that that's been derailed this yeah, year. Yeah, I don't understand that. Hopefully, they, hopefully that can get back uh, on, on track. On, yeah. on track, you, thank you. Even if they have the, you know, put you in a, in a room like they do with the hospitality and just say, hey, you know, have a sign up. If you have Directions. this need, you know, go to this room. Yeah. Because it, it's unfortunate. 
Because I know last year when we came to convocation, I uh, was feeling, I'm a diabetic, so I, you know, I was feeling a little lightheaded and low blood sugar, sugar. and you all were there and you offered me, you know, some, some juice or some, you know, something that I could have. And it was a really nice service. Yeah. Made the, made the drive home way better. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you all deal with, with the hotel being like, you just can't do this anymore? I mean, it's, uh, I'd be really frustrated personally. It came to us across a couple of days. Um, it's quite quite funny in some respects. Last year, they were upset because they thought we were selling the food. Uh-huh. So we went to efforts to put up little signs that they know free. Free, mm-hmm. yeah, free food. Uh, this year, we came prepared. We printed up signs. We had a little list of the things that we're providing, including the services that aren't immediately apparent because they're mm-hmm. not cookies. If you're right talking, all of us are trained in first aid, physical, psychiatric, and spiritual. Okay. Uh, all of which may be necessary after right, a taxi yeah. ritual. Exactly. You know, that, that's one of the things that we teach within our tradition, and these days we go out and get outside certifications for as well, mm-hmm, yeah. so that we, we have that skill set. Someone's having an anxiety attack, someone's having a PTSD flashback. Mm-hmm. We know how to deal with those things. You know, we're all set up, and towards the end of Thursday, they said, look, we've got to take the signs down. So, okay, we can't, we can't advertise it. Okay, we'll take the signs down, no problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday, mid-morning, late afternoon, the hotel approached us directly. Originally, they went to security, and security just came and said, look, we'll take the signs down. You guys can do your own thing. You, know, you just can't be advertising here, but if you guys are here eating your food and being hospitable to anyone who comes past, that's a different thing. That's a private thing that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the hotel approaches directly and said, no, you have to take all of that away. You can't have any of it out. I wonder if it's new management and they just don't understand what they're, what's going on? Or I don't think so. No. I think the management's been the same because they've had a long-standing, Khan's had a long-standing relationship with this MEC. hotel. Well, MEC, strange. yep, so... You know, obviously, the last thing we wanted to do was cause difficulties for the combo stuff. Right. right. That's the opposite of what we're here to do. Right, right. yeah. So we're here to serve. We, we took all of the stuff away, but we're, st- we're still out there. We're fairly easily identifiable. Mm-hmm. And you know, if we see someone who needs some help, we'll step up. Hey, do you, you know, we've still got a box of tissues with us. We've still got <laughs> friendly ears and some help. And you know, Gotcha. You yeah. just have to be a little more roving. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Well, I can tell you that, you know, obviously we appreciated it last year, you yes. being out there, yes, and really uh, I'll make sure I express to the hotel when I check out, like, hey, we really enjoyed this, so it's kind of a uh-huh. bummer not to be able to see it this year. Mm-hmm. You're right across from their gift from shop. The, from the snack bar. Yeah. The snack bar. It's yeah, probably it capitalism. Yeah. So, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, too, was, you know, coven or no coven, like, what are the pros and cons? And you could speak to this generally coven-based, not necessarily path of light, where... Where there's a... Where, a fairly rigorous, a fairly rigorous process, process into it. I don't know if you were in a coven when you were just doing Wicca. Because you went through, you know, several stages. Several right? iterations. Right. So, I'll, but for the sake of keeping my eyes, I'm going to broaden that to group or no group. Okay. okay. Uh, within our tradition, we teach certain words mean certain things. A okay. Is, from our perspective, at least, is, and certainly from British traditional witchcraft or Wicca, mm-hmm. is a structured teaching environment. It is mm-hmm. not where all equals and sit at the table. It's your teachers, mm-hmm. your students of varying degree. When you get to the third degree, leave the cabin, go form your own, go teach more students, spread mm-hmm. this stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. But group or no group, look, I think it, it all depends on what you're what you're looking for and what you need. If you're for us, group is essential because as you pointed out, no one can be an expert at everything. We all have different strengths. We can pass off the work to different people within the cabin for what comes up. So it's in our case, it's supportive. But in terms of the social aspects, 
or group ritual aspects, it comes down to what you need, I think. You know, for some people, solitary practice is great. That's all they want. It's your relationship with the divine, however you connect with that. Right. And, you know, even people who are in groups, sometimes that's a deeply personal thing. You know, I'm also a priest of the Morrigan, and that's not something I share with the coven as a whole. No one else in my coven works with the Morrigans yet. And, you know, Occasionally I'll teach classes because she insists. But, right. but otherwise, that's a deeply personal thing that I don't do group ritual with. I don't include other people with. Right. And sometimes what you really want is to get back to those tribal roots of, these are my people. We all celebrate and feel similar things. I want to celebrate with them. All of the, all of the harvest, the high days, if you look at, look at them anthropologically... All the Sabbaths were about the harvest in some form or fashion. You're either planting, mm. harvesting, or going, look at all this stuff we harvested, it's great, let's celebrate it. <laughs> right. Crap, it's all going to go moldy soon. Quick, eat everything that's going to go bad. And you do that as a community, as a tribe, as a village. You come together and celebrate. And I think that for, for a lot of folks, that's something that they do mean. No matter how personally fulfilling your, your relationship with the divine is, you need a group somewhere that you can go and just share this with share the joy and share the abundance with right and so I think I think there's a place for both even with every individual practitioner yeah whether or not you're going to a group ritual that some some other group is holding and is like yep I just need to go and celebrate or whether you're running open rituals or whether you're looking for a learning environment in which case it's probably going to be that bit more structured thing. right mm-hmm. yeah I think we're really lucky here surprisingly because I wouldn't think it would be in Michigan but you know we have two really big pagan festivals in Convocation and MPF. And then I'm surprised at the amount of like small towns even that have uh, pagan pride days. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, all these little towns have pagan pride days and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff or big towns or medium towns. towns. All these locations. <laughs> Thanks. Jeez. So I think we're really lucky in Michigan because we have these bigger events. Like there are people I don't see except at Mm-hmm. Convocation or and Michigan Pagan Fest. That's the only times I see them. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, the, the commute is a bit right. Right, yeah, right. because Michigan's a big state and everybody lives all over. Mm-hmm. And we do get a lot of our listeners will say, you know, I live in the deep south. I'm the only pagan in the area. Uh-huh. How, Which do I, how do I commute? I think, how do I connect with other pagans? Sometimes I think there probably are other pagans in your they area. Are. You They're just, just don't know how to find them, you just right. or they're not in the same path as you so So either y'all can create an eclectic group or you can't group together so i think that would be an interesting question to ask because as you said you don't go seeking members Mm -hmm. people kind of are drawn or find out about you maybe through your classes or something like that or or meet someone how does someone who might be looking how did you find the path how did you find it because i mean we we saw your trajectory but how did you end up from wicca to the path of life. life. Yeah, because, you know, if somebody is seeking a group but doesn't know how to find them, what's, what do they do? That's two questions. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. So, how do I end up in Path of Life? I have always agreed with and subscribed to the idea that Gerald Gardner had something deeper. Mm-hmm. You know, if you read his early works, he talks about he was a first degree of an unnamed tradition mm-hmm. from um, New Forest Cover. Mm-hmm. before he went and founded Brigadier. I've studied Thalmic stuff, I've studied Crowley stuff, I've studied the Golden Dawn stuff. I can see very clearly in Gardner's work where stuff has to come out of ceremonial magic, where the Golden Dawn stuff has come in. I can see where Margaret Murray's god author anthropology <laughs> was added in. 
but I could also see that there's something else there. There's something older there. Mm-hmm. And I was I was constantly looking for in different traditions where can I find what's missing and recreate that. And I ran into the person who ultimately was my teacher's teacher when I was running a youth group in Australia. I was running the only pagan youth group in the state, <laughs> and he came along. Definitely not a youth, but we weren't discriminating. That was the whole point of the group. Being said. <laughs> you know, all of the other groups, anyone under 18 was locked out of because they mm-hmm. met on licensed premises. And mm. um, he came along, and I'll admit, I was rubbed the wrong way by him at first because I was in his late 60s, and he'd been doing this for 30 or 40 odd years now, mm-hmm. very set in his ways, and which rubbed me entirely the wrong way. And ultimately, as I continued to talk more with him, I found that that lines up with the thing that I've And that shape, the thing you're talking about there, looks like the shape of mm-hmm. the mystery I've been trying to unravel over here. And ultimately, I ended up saying, okay, so you clearly know things that I want to know. How do I learn this? And he directed me to one of his students who became my teacher. Okay. How to find a group. So before I lived in the big city, the big city, so Australia has <laughs> seven cities. Okay. Right. Have anything to know. But there is 98% of the population on 2% of the land mass. We are clustered around the coast. Of the seven cities, there's only five that really matter. <laughs> what what are the two that don't? No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to make you do that. Well, I lived in the best city, which was Melbourne. Okay. Before I lived in Melbourne, I lived up on the border of the, the Victoria and New South Wales. It was, a, it was a country town. It had nothing to offer anymore. You know, it had historical significance, but that was about it. We moved out to a farm there. Of course... I felt very certain I was the only person of any any sort of pagan bent out there because it was a very rural, I think the American term is redneck, uh-huh. sort, of a, sort of a place. This was dating myself a little bit, but we didn't really have the internet in its current form back then. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Witchbox, I think, was only just a thing. Yeah, yeah. At the time, it was only anything for Australia at the time. It was... There was not the interconnectivity we see now. I ended up going to the library and finding two, and in Australia, all many of the libraries are interconnected. So mm-hmm. within all the rural towns, the libraries share books with one another. You get the book, it's sent out to whichever library you need. So I got the two books on paganism that the library had, <laughs> and I went to about the middle, and I stuck a sticky note with my email address. And said, if you're reading this, you're clearly interested, and I would really like to connect with you. Oh, that's brilliant. That is brilliant. And daring. Yeah. <laughs> and it paid off. It was through that that there was actually a Gunnarian Coven in the town I was in. And of course, they weren't advertising, funnily enough. Mm-hmm. Right, right. But one of their members had come across and passed with their high priestess, and I was in a clothing shop one day, and a lovely lady came and said, so, I believe I got your note. Like, note? Note? Oh! That, oh, that note. note! That note! And that was my introduction to God Mary. Wow. Wow. That is very so, cool. Yeah. Very cool. So, it sounds like what somebody would really need to do is just kind of put themselves out there. Yeah. yeah. Just take a chance. No. Be safe about it. Like, yeah. Like, every Be stretch. Safe. You know, not all of my stories are good ones. <laughs> Once had someone try and set me on fire, literally. Ooh. Now, shall not suffer a li- witch to live. Oof. Oh, wow. Wow. Damn. And <sighs> that sort of thing, less prevalent now, one hopes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But in our, in our current times, in our country, it's hard to say. Time, it's a little hard The to good say. news is that with the prevalence of the internet now, you yeah. can create a separate email account mm-hmm. just for whatever. And, you and create st- a degree of anonymity. Right, yeah. And I know that one of our listeners who is 
really trying very hard to connect with other pagans in her area. She went to like she did. She, she set up a meetup. Yeah. Well, no she set up a meetup and she at a coffee shop yeah. and she brought her sister and her mom with her for support. And unfortunately, nobody showed. But my whole thought was, you know, keep trying. Absolutely. Just because they didn't show up the, the first, first time, time doesn't yeah. mean that they won't. That someone won't show up the next time. Yeah. For that listener, as scared as you are about putting yourself out there, any person who wants to come to your meetup is just as scared. That's right. If not more. If not yeah. more. Yeah, because especially, um, I remember it correctly, it's kind of an area that's conservative mm-hmm. and it's, you know, she doesn't really put herself out there. This is new for her to be putting herself out there as a pagan. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people experience that. You know, it can be scary, especially if you. you live in an area that is uh, very conservative it has a lot of churches <laughs> and or you have a lot of family members and you don't want to out yourself yeah absolutely you know? it can be really hard but it's also really rewarding if that's what you're looking for mm-hmm. put yourself out there which box doesn't just have to be a place that you look for groups that already exist mm-hmm. put up your own personal profile right. That's right. That's yep. right. And, and we did that. And when we were in Grand Rapids, we started a thing called Communitas Paganus. And I put it on Witchbox and I put it on... We had a remarkable response. Yeah. And we think our first meeting was 15 other people besides the three of us. And it's still, even though it's we still no going, longer... Now right. that we've left, yeah, we, yeah, we, we passed it on to somebody else to yeah. run. Yeah, when and, we moved, and so. they're still getting together. They're still doing things. And, yeah, yeah. I think that I think it's awesome. And they're and they're all from different paths, and mm-hmm. some of them don't have paths. They're just still investigating and just right. right. And oddly yeah. enough, we actually found a very liberal church. Yeah. That allows yeah. us to hold a pagan meeting yeah. in their church building. Yeah. yeah. They allowed That's us wonderful. to do it there. Yeah. Yeah. It's been very cool. So, yeah, yeah I think just keep putting yourself out there. Keep yeah, doing things. Yeah. Now, I will admit to probably having watched too many movies when I was a teenager, listening to the, the gossip about witch wars, quote unquote. And so being a part of a, of a coven the teaching group has never been appealing to me because honestly, I didn't want to deal with the drama. <laughs> Can you speak to that a little bit? Is it really a concern? Like, like, is this is just this a, a justified concern? A justified or? concern, or is this just like a? I watched too many scary movies when I was a kid about witches. <laughs> no, that's a justified concern. When it comes down to, if we're talking covens again, you're talking about people who, at least in theory, should be elders. Mm-hmm. They should know better, right? And most traditions talk about finding a better way forward. Mm -hmm. If I talked earlier about I'm responsible for my students. Mm -hmm. If one of my students goes and mucks up two snakes fire fire ceremony, he's not going to yell at them. He's going to come and say, hey, later on, this happened. And I'll say, okay, what can I do to fix this? How do I make this right? That might be work with my hands. Usually there'll be a teaching example like, guess who's schlepping two snakes fireball and (laughs) wood everywhere for the next 12 months. Okay. Off you go. Uh Uh-huh. And there's usually a better way forward. That said, there are groups that don't have that structure, don't have that hierarchy, they don't have... Hierarchy is a dirty word for some pagans, Mm -hmm. which makes it really difficult. Who do you go to then? Mm -hmm. If it's a group of people who have your back because they're on your side and you're their friend, and that's where witch wars start to happen, Mm -hmm. is where, you know, a disagreement with two between two people suddenly becomes all of their friends and all of their mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of respects, it's no different to high school. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it shouldn't be like that. Mm-hmm. You, know, you should have, even if there's no hierarchy, there should be someone who is nominally the leader, nominally the person who can go to the other person's 
Someone, someone with whom the buck stops. Right, yeah. right. right. Who's, who's ultimately responsible? That's where the other part where which wars start to get silly, I guess, mm-hmm. is no one wants to claim responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's difficult for someone to go, especially in Western society, no offence intended, but my observations, particularly America, mm. mere culpa is a very difficult thing for, for Americans to work with. There seems to be this prevalence of if I've done something wrong or bad or made a mistake, if I'm anything less than perfect, my entire worth as a person is called into question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, that is very true. That is a very true... And sometimes that doesn't even have to be something you did. It's something somebody assumes you right. might have done right. or could be about. Or I mean, we we had Witch Doctor Utu on. I'm, I mean, I only followed that very distantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in part because a lot, of, a lot of what I saw was around uh, racism, as I understood it. Right. Yeah. And... When I saw people of color whom I respect in the community step out and saying, "No, this is a, this is not what has happened," right? Yeah. Okay. That point, yeah. The yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And I think you're right. I think we do need to. There, if you're going to be in a group, you're going to want to make sure that there's someone in there who is in charge can mediate perhaps when there's conflict or um, or just set down the law or just set down yeah. the law. Yeah. You know. So. These things are okay. These things aren't. Right. You did a thing that's not okay. This doesn't make you a bad person. It means right. you're fixing. Right. Right. So I, I think obviously, you know, group being in a group, being in a structured group, that is right for some people. They need that structure grow and and to be the pagan they want to be. And sometimes some I think people don't. Sometimes I think people ways. don't know that they need that structure. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that, that's yeah. certainly true for at that's least true. one of my students mm-hmm. who was. They'd work, walked their own path for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not t- telling too many tales when I say that when they first met me, they thought I had a stick up my ass. <laughs> then as we got to know each other better as time went on, they're like, okay, maybe there's something I could learn from you. I'm just going to come to the adequate stuff for a while. Is that okay? Uh-huh. And yeah, now they are quite... <laughs> Mm-hmm. They've taken the seekers oath and they're working quite hard towards their first degree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, very cool. And I super appreciate you taking the time. I know you've been super busy. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Oh, and so taking the time to come up here and, and have a discussion with us. And, and a very interesting discussion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think one that's going to be beneficial to our listeners because we do have a lot of solitaries who may want to be in a group. Whether that be covenant or not. Exactly. Right, yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. You've been listening to Three Pagans and a Cat. Find out more information at www.threepagansandacat.com.